Welcome to Off Message. I'm Isaac Dover. Today's guests, my colleagues, Politico House reporter Rachel Bade and Politico Senate reporter Alana Shore. We decided to do things a little differently this week, given all the continuing revelations and allegations of sexual harassment rocking Capitol Hill and of the different ways it's been covered up or attempted to be covered up. Didn't feel like any one guest could address all of it. So instead, I figured, how about getting two of the reporters who've been at the forefront of tracking what's happening and digging out more? Even more so, two women who've been reporting on the Hill for long before the Harvey Weinstein story sparked this new national reckoning we've been having. They've seen it firsthand. They've been watching the evolution of thinking happen in the halls of the Capitol over the last six weeks. They've been reporting stories on women who've had complaints and who've been lodging complaints against members and against staffers. And they've had members of Congress and others comment on their own blouses and dresses. Rachel even had poetry sent to her by one source. The goal here on this podcast is to help understand what's really going on in Washington and what's really driving what's happening. And this week, for this episode, Rachel and Alana are the best people we could think of to make that happen. And then we finished off by walking through their take from being on the front lines of what, if anything, Congress is going to get done by the end of the year and how all of this going on on the sexual harassment front is going to shape that. There's a lot to digest here. Remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Tell a friend, tell a coworker, spread the word. Some of the episodes coming up, Corey Lewandowski, the former Trump campaign manager, and David Petraeus, who will have a lot to say. We've got a blockbuster end of the year coming up and then into next year with episodes you are not going to want to miss. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Isaac Dover and email me your thoughts and suggestions, including guests that you'd like to see at Isaac at Politico.com. That's I-S-A-A-C at Politico.com. And now my conversation with Rachel Bade and Alana Shore. Rachel's the one you'll hear first. Al Franken said in coming back out of hiding that if you'd asked him two weeks ago whether there were more women who were going to come out against him, he would have said there aren't going to be any women. But now he's not sure. From your experiences two weeks ago, six weeks ago, not just talking about Franken, would you have anticipated that this much was going to come out and that it looks like we're actually on the precipice of more coming out? I think um, with the Harvey Weinstein, Capitol Hill has sort of been at this like crossroads, right? Um, it's always been this sort of boys club where harassment is not talked about and women who have issues with this, they just pretty much move offices because there's nowhere to go to get um, help and the perpetrators just continue doing what they're doing. I think but initially- that was known. Right, right. Well, not as well known, like the extent of it, but when all this stuff started coming out, I my first take on this was we're going to see a whole bunch of new names in the, in a, a week or so. Um, Franken happened, um, Conyers happened. I was thinking, you know, we've personally heard stories about at least another half dozen to a dozen members having these issues too. Republicans, um, Democrats, both sides, um, yeah. uh, yes, both very parties. bipartisan. But but I would say there's been less than I an- originally anticipated, which I think speaks to the fact that. The Hill, when it comes to harassment, is still this, like, black hole where things happen and nobody talks about it. People are afraid to come out because they don't want to, you know, never find a job again. There's fear about that. So I think we could potentially see this watershed moment that we're all looking for and sort of curious if it's going to happen. But 
I'm not convinced yet that it's going to happen because it hasn't so far, I guess. I, I totally agree with Rachel. And one element of the fearfulness that I think stops some women from coming forward isn't just the inability to find a job again. I think reprisal and blackballing is a big deal, mm-hmm. but also the media coverage of these issues. The fact that you saw Joe Barton's uh, nude selfie become scandalous on the same level as the Conyers allegation when you know it's really not clear to us whether this is a straightforward case of revenge porn against the congressman, right? It just all blurs into this sex scandal coverage. And no woman wants their name forever associated with a sex scandal on that member's Wikipedia page. Forget about your next job. That that hurts a woman for life. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing where we're talking about like revenge porn and the House of Representatives in the same sentence. Um, but that seems to be what moment we're in here, that all of this is just getting in the, the wash together. And I, there, there are people who make the argument that the Al Franken thing has been, uh, at least with what's come out so far, we'll see if there's more uh, too much put on the same level as the Roy Moore stuff, right? And then it becomes this question of, well, no, zero tolerance is zero tolerance, right? Uh, what is the the feeling that uh, people on the Hill have about this? The members have, are they just, are, are people scared that more is coming out? That yes. Are, yes, very scared. I get texts on a regular basis. Oh, I heard you're going to break a story about 22 members. Um, are you going to break a story? About <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I mean, we're doing research. Um, but, you know, it's just there's certainly a fear out there, I would say, amongst members and staff, right? And I would say the texts I get are more from from guys who I know personally who work on the Hill who I can vouch for their credibility, but they're just nervous about – they don't use this phrase. I'll use it. Uh, sort of a, a witch trial atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, my God, I don't think I've ever mistreated a colleague, but have I ever? Mm-hmm. And some of that self-searching is probably good, even among male aides who I would say Definitely. I totally trust. Mm-hmm. I think it means the culture might start to change. Right. I mean, there's this sense of – someone said to me, well, everybody is reevaluating their behavior. And yeah, I think a lot of people are, but maybe not everybody is. Right. I, I, people who have kept their hands to themselves and, uh, and uh, not harassed women are probably not uh, reevaluating their behavior in the same way as people who have pressed themselves up against women or uh, made comments about them or asked them out on dates or whatever, right? Well, I think the line can blur when it comes to things like office romances mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. not necessarily a subordinate and a superior. So it's it's issues like that, right? Because as you point out, the Roy Moore coverage is blurring into the Conyers coverage, is blurring into the Franken coverage, and these are all bad actions, but they're different degrees of bad. Mm-hmm. So I think some some folks are worried that they've lost that sense. But I want to take it back. If we were sitting here in late September and I said to you guys, is there a problem with sexual harassment on the Hill? And that's before the Harvey Weinstein stuff broke, mm-hmm. before any of the rest of the stuff broke. What would you have said about it then, do you think? I did not know the extent of it but in you knew, September. But you knew that there was an issue. I mean, I would say, you know, you hear rumors about members who, you know, sleep around. But always it was sort of like we were thinking of it as more of a consensual thing. But now people are coming out of the woodwork and talking about things that happened to them, whether from members or other staffers that, I mean, I had never heard about. So – I don't know that I would say it wasn't a problem in September. I would say I didn't know much about it. But, like, we're definitely learning more about it on a daily basis. So I think for me, if you'd asked me in September, I would have said, well, there's a general issue with the fact that most of these members are way, way uh, older than the average boss in the average office. They come from a different era. I, I, I'm a little sad to say I probably would have been a bit of an apologist and said, oh, some of them are just inappropriate. 
right? And now these allegations, they really open... Just men of a certain age. Exactly. Oh, you know, they're throwbacks to an era that none of us like and none of us want to go back to. But personally, my eyes have been very much opened. Wasn't it with Strom Thurmond, I feel like, who uh, all the women had to wear skirts in his office, Mm -hmm. right? Like, And that was, well, Strom Thurmond, now he's been dead for 15 years at this point and not in the Senate for almost as, uh, what is it, uh, 2000s when he left? I can't remember. That he, he was a man of an older generation, but there's a lot of that sense still of people who are about his age contemporaries, maybe not having those kinds of rules of the office, but uh, a different approach to women than uh, we think of as the contemporary modern approach to women and women in the workplace. And look at the makeup of Capitol Hill. Most of those people are men of that generation and that makeup. So you have to wonder, right? It's just an unfortunate dynamic where oftentimes we as reporters focus on the members with the power and the members with the power tend to be from that generation, white males. How many more cases should we expect of this? Is it is it dozens? Is it uh, will it be a trickle? I mean, you guys are doing reporting. Um, Other people are obviously doing their own reporting and other publications, but we'll focus on your reporting. Is this going to be just an an ongoing set of revelations every week, every couple of weeks of another person that we didn't expect or uh, maybe there were rumors about and and here it keeps going? I think that the more news stories, the more stories that come out, it like sort of feeds on itself. So I think if we see, you know, another lawmaker accused publicly um, by multiple staffers on background or on the record even, then we'll see, you know, another one perhaps the next week. But if we stop seeing names, I think this slowly, you know, dies out a little bit because I think a lot of the media attention is, you know, what's driving this conversation right now. And if if the media moves on to something else, you know, a shutdown happens or something like that, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe we don't see these stories continue. But I think it, it all depends on, like, who's willing to come forward because if multiple people do, then I think we see more and more and it'll just keep going. But I'm not sure at this point. Also, one thing, trying to put myself in the shoes now that we've started to report on this, of a woman who's experienced harassment on the job, it will matter if Franken and Conyers stay versus go. Oh, yeah. If one or both of them go, then expect the dam to break because it'll show those women, okay, these these guys might face consequences. consequences. Yep, right. But if they stay and nothing happens to them, then it's like you're in Washington and these powerful people are going to continue in their positions. There's no point in coming out and taking this risk. Which is deeply unfortunate. Why is it? Different. Uh, Donald Trump had more than a dozen women who accused him of sexual harassment or sexual assault. We have that Access Hollywood tape. Obviously, uh, there are no calls for him to resign over that. There were some. There was political pressure for him to drop out of the race when the Access Hollywood tape dropped. But it's very different from this. Is it just? Okay, we're thinking about it differently because we're in this post-Harvey Weinstein moment. I think timing is a lot of this. I mean, it wasn't just. Trump who beat this, right? I mean, even uh, we've talked about Blake Farenthold, who's a Republican from Texas. He was accused of sexual misconduct by a scheduler or constructor. Yeah, um, and she um, she sued him and they went after her and she dropped the lawsuit. And, you know, I haven't seen her name or heard about her in a long time. And that was just like a year or two ago. And the same thing happened where it wasn't just a Trump thing is what I'm saying. Like, Some people say, oh, it was Trump. You know, everybody was with him. He was the Republican nominee. He could get away with this. But, like, this was also Blake Varenhold. So I do think timing is everything on this. And unfortunately for, you know, these women who came out and and accused somebody um, of doing something wrong, they were not at that time 
at that point in time where people would actually heat it and the pressure would be put on these Republicans to. An- another factor with the timing here it is the process. Um, this is taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. When all those women came forward against Donald Trump. For Conyers, Trump, you're talking about, right? For Conyers. And, 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 and for frankly, for all the members who, we don't right, know about, yes. right, who are settling their cases right. behind closed doors because we know they're doing it. So I think that is a major reason that this has captured the public's attention so much, not at all to minimize the experience of the women who accused Donald Trump. But, you know, this strikes at the heart of voters' sense that Washington might be misusing my money. Mm-hmm. For the worst possible reason, to pay off their bad behavior. And I think that's helping it have this kind of legs. Yeah. It feels like another part of it, though, is like Franken, we don't know if there are more uh, allegations, uh, if there are, are, are more photos. But he, his response was, when that first photo came out, was uh, it started out as saying, oh, I don't remember it that way. And then a, a fuller apology. Uh, and now he's going through this like long mea culpa, and, and um, I want to be a better man, and uh, and you compare that to the Trump response, which is no, I didn't do it. He's even we see from uh, reporting that was in the, the New York Times over the weekend uh, that he's questioned whether the Access Hollywood tape is real, right? Whereas Franken has never said, "Oh, is that a photoshopped photo?" Or mm-hmm. um, and. When we should say that he questions uh, whether it's real, but he apologized for it already, right? right. On uh, camera, yes, so right. <laughs> uh, but and then when the the Franken photo first came out uh, at the White House briefing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about uh, what the difference was between what's what uh, Franken had done and what Donald Trump had done, and she said, "Well, Franken admitted it." And uh, the other thing that uh, that. She did to draw a distinction as to say, well, the, the voters were aware of the information about President Trump that people were claiming, and they voted for him to be president, and so said and done, uh, moving on. Is that it, – it, it's such a different response. Uh, maybe it's just Al Franken versus Donald Trump. Maybe it's Democrats versus Republicans or or something beyond that. But – does that have anything to do with what's going on here, with with why uh, this has taken on a different life with Franken than it has with with Trump, with even Roy Moore, where Roy Moore is dug in and said, no, his accusations are not. I mean, my answer to that is look at Al Franken and John Conyers' public persona versus Donald Trump's and Roy Moore's public persona. Roy Moore was twice removed from his judicial position for for unrelated types of misconduct. So Donald Trump was known as not exactly, you know, a choir boy in his correct. pre-political life. Al Franken and John Conyers were Democratic icons before this. So I think that has a lot to do with it. So it's a fall from grace kind of thing? And I think it's a sense of— And of, we know that, like, Trump and uh, Trump was— his, one of his big businesses before he was president was the Miss Universe pageant. Exactly. Was going it's a question Stern, to me. Right? I don't know about what Rachel thinks, but of what your faithful expect from you. I think Democrats are more surprised by this than Republicans were yeah. in their base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a sense of like, it, it, to me, it's it's Democrats being disappointed. How could we be betrayed by this? Yes. Um, right. And Republicans accepting like, oh, wow. Like this Republicans are, going, oh, well, look right. the other way because we really want to win. And even though Roy Moore was impeached for things that had nothing to do with uh, women or teenagers, you, you feel like it just sort of throws him into the, the bad boys category. I mean, that's a, that's a strange distinction that we're – Making, I don't think you're, you're the only one making it. But I it agree seem, that it's okay. strange. <laughs> so it'll be also be a test case, right? I mean, let's see 
if the like this might encourage people going forward to just deny, 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 because I can say, you know, totally discredit the people who came after me and discredit any of the accusations. And then I'm going to keep my spot here in, in the Senate. Or if I acknowledge it and try to say, oh, I'm I'm working on my behavior, like I'm out for that. So like we'll have to see in the next couple of weeks. Oh, you were talking about uh Texting with male friends, sources, thinking about it. I wonder if you guys can talk a little bit about the process of reporting these stories uh, and drawing people out and getting them to uh, trust that you're going to treat it properly and know from your side of it what is a credible story and what's not. We do a lot of talking to people off the record just to make them comfortable. A lot of people are afraid to talk to reporters. It's like I think it's sort of a natural thing. Uh, but for my reporting, at least, like, I'll hear a story about so-and-so, you know, heard this about a staffer who had this experience, and I'll reach out to maybe a couple more people to see if other people have heard this story, and then I'll reach out to the staffer. And a lot of times, they don't want to do anything to do with the media, so you have to start talking to them off the record, and you have to make them comfortable. And as reporters, we can only report the story if they let us. It's, I mean, it's their story. They, If they're going to tell us something off the record like we we have to respect you know what it is that they're saying and we can't obviously burn any sources but a lot of times when people start to open up about their story like it brings it all back and there's a lot I've noticed there's a lot of anger still there and they'll let you use use parts of it Um, and then we're able to sort of use anonymous Things and sort of go forward, I guess. But um, it's difficult, I would say. And like a lot of people are afraid um, of getting their bosses in trouble. A lot of people are afraid of leadership um, in the House or the Senate. Um, And so people don't want to use leadership in this case. I mean, you have to ask yourself. Paul Ryan is going to call them up and say, you're fired. I think you have to ask yourself, like, this has always been an issue on the Hill. Maybe it wasn't in the spotlight as for as long as as it is now. But, um, you know, you have to wonder how much leadership knew about this stuff, right? Did they really not know about Conyers? Did they really not know about such and such a staffer having an issue in an office and like trying to move people around? Um, we have been looking into angles specifically about shuffles, uh, whether it's a perpetrator shuffle or a victim shuffle from office to office. Um, so I think that there's a fear that if people come out um, and folks try to find out who knew what when, it could get some people up the chain in trouble. And And it's also hard for us, just one more aspect of this is the degree to which hearsay gets involved. Mm -hmm. I've run into that several times where I'll hear a great story that's secondhand, full with detail. To know what's what's a real credible thing that you can really nail down and and put into print. I mean, credible sources have told me anecdotes that I 100% believe, but I can't put that into print until I get it from the person who experienced it firsthand. And that makes it so challenging. It's a secondhand source, right. So, I mean, readers might not understand, right, that, you know, it takes us an incredible amount of time and patience to get to that firsthand source and, like right. Rachel was saying, earn their trust. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you can't. And you can't afford it. Yeah. So, and I think that's where we are with a lot of this stuff. And that's why we're at this, like, point in time where we're not sure if the watershed is going to happen because, you know, we hear a lot of stuff off record. but when it actually comes to using some of it, like, you get pushed back. People are afraid. Yeah. And one aspect of this, while we're talking about the president, I, I think um, – it doesn't matter what party you're in. Uh, the Trump era has been uh, one of 
preternatural mistrust of the media, I think, more so than even normally. I know our approval ratings for the public have always been close to lawyers and ambulance chases or whatever. But you know, lower than lawyers. Lawyer, lower than lawyers. <laughs> You're right. Um, but it's gotten worse, I think, under Trump. And I think that's bipartisan. Yeah. And that makes it harder to get through so to people. So much harder. Right. Yeah. One thing I think um, people should be watching in the next couple of weeks is whether leadership, going back to leadership in the House or the Senate, um, feels the pressure to actually release the names of lawmakers who had these secret settlements. Right, um, the John Conyers yes, style Yes, thing, John right? Conyers style or through the Office of Compliance. John Conyers, he just used his own member office budget to pay this woman. But, um, you know, they could also – it was allowed under the Office of Compliance, which is where people went to file complaints or to consider filing a pl- complaints. Now, right now the sense I'm getting from sources on the Hill is sort of that a lot of people are afraid that current sitting members are going to be part of that group. And there's a worry – and Jerry Nadler sort of talked about this on TV uh, a He's couple a of days ago. He's a congressman from New York. Yes. Previous podcast guest. Um, he said, you know, we shouldn't release the names retroactively because some people might have taken a settlement just to get the issue out of the way but never admitted guilt but just paid – like they used the taxpayer money to pay someone to, to move on with their lives and get it, you know, push it under the rug. Um, but if you bring up those names, you have to relitigate this, and maybe the pe- the member never believed he or she was guilty, so you have to relitigate everything again. Um, however, I don't think that argument will stand scrutiny when it, you talk about taxpayer money and it, conservatives wanting to see who are these members. It strikes me that Nadler, who is of course in the running to be the ranking member on judiciary, right? Now that's another point. Who, who uh, now the Conyers has stepped aside, right? Mm-hmm. That. Part of what he's got in his head, he has to have in his head, is that he uh, wants other members to uh, want him to have that position, right? And that means not burning them, which then goes to this whole question of how a system uh, can protect people who are guilty of this kind of behavior, right? And and that goes to what what happened with Nancy Pelosi too, right? Where it seems like not only did she feel like John Conyers is an icon of, you know, black politics in America and the civil rights movement and all that, but also is a major presence on the Congressional Black Caucus, which is a big part of uh, the votes that any future uh, speaker or leader uh, needs. needs. And if uh, the Democrats win the House in 2018, she will run for speaker. There's really little question about it, right? And and, uh, she said that to me a couple weeks ago um, and does not want to anger the Congressional Black Caucus. And so so it it all gets sort of baked in here, right? But going back to the point about taxpayer money being involved here and the voters not wanting to let that go, there's a provision in the Senate tax bill uh, that very few people are paying attention to. It would eliminate the deductibility of settlements reached in the private sector that involve a non-disclosure agreement for sexual harassment So what does that mean? So what that means is like a Weinstein-style settlement. He might have been able to write that off normally. All of his legal fees involved with pressing that case and forcing these women to stay silent. And if this provision stays in the tax bill and the tax bill becomes law, which again, we have a long way to go on that, then it raises the question of Congress is yet again holding itself to a different standard because it's limiting the use of these these types of NDAs and these types of cases in the private sector and it'll let itself do whatever it wants. Voters no, hate that. that all the time. Well, yeah, <laughs> voters hate that, right? I mean, theoretically. The swamp. Yeah, it's the swamp. You guys are you're, you are both women. You spend a lot of time on Capitol Hill. Have you had encounters that have made with members of Congress with staffers that have been questionable as you've thought about them either at the time or looked back and then? Um, 
you know, you would have asked me this again in September, like we were talking about. I would have said, you know, I felt no different being a woman on the Hill, except for when it comes to like source meetings and some some of the uh, male lawmakers, you know, it's harder to get them to go out, you know, for a drink or for dinner to talk about, you know, the news of the day and a story I'm working on because it's awkward being a young female reporter and then being like an older man. Some people are not comfortable with that. So but they, there were there were men who were you felt were not sitting down with do you that. professionally yes, because, because they were yes, being uh, sort of Cautious. defensive, yes. right? The Mike yeah. Pence yes. effect, dare I yes. say? <laughs> but that was the Mike Pence effect before. It's true. Right? You before know, right. Mike Pence, yeah. yes, discussed right. this policy. However, since all this stuff has come out, I don't know about you, but like I've definitely sort of rethought it, like things have gone through my mind. And a couple things stand out. I know I worked with somebody on a story and the person started, you know, sending me poetry and text messages um, hitting on me. And when I mentioned, you know, I'm engaged, um, not interested, you know, the person said, well, I'm married. Uh, doesn't matter to <laughs> me. And like, I remember I shared this text message with my husband and we were sort of giggling about it. But like, that shouldn't have happened, right? No, that's um, never happened with me. Nobody's um, <laughs> ever happened. I've also had a member like call out to me in the hall or something about like a dress I'm wearing. Like, you look great in that dress or something. And maybe like it was an innocent thing, but it was certainly awkward when the member was in a gaggle and they yell across the room at me and say, you look great in that dress. Um, so like those things yeah, probably shouldn't happen. The happened. closest that I can come to that is one time I was wearing a tie with polar bears on it, and Chuck Hagel, when he was still a senator, I was an intern, um, <laughs> looked at it, and he was sure it was elephants, and said to me that he felt like I shouldn't be wearing a partisan tie, and I was like, no, senator, they're polar bears. But that, <laughs> and he got right up against my tie and looked at it. Oh, my. It was weird. You were like, but boundaries, it, boundaries. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't feel like he was hitting on me, right. exactly, and he wasn't saying, like, you look great in that tie. Uh, what yeah. Um, for me, no story as egregious as the, the poetry coming in poetry. through text. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can honestly was it, say... Was it poetry that the person had written himself or was it You like, know, I, I wondered if said person had <laughs> the same poem for somebody else Ooh, at another point in time. I bet so. Mm-hmm. And just exchange my name for somebody else. <laughs> but it wasn't like uh, pulling Shakespearean sonnets yeah. for you. No. Okay. No. For, for me, honestly, uh, even before September, I would have told you that there were certain members that... Uh, always would make comments about my attire and my appearance. Um, I I will say it was worse. You know, I've been reporting on the Hill since 2005, uh, and it was worse back then. I have noticed a culture shift in the last 10 or 11 years. Because people are aging out or because... Uh, you Honestly, know, again, I think like more, to come back to yeah. like the Strom Thurmond thing, like the people of his generation are basically not in Congress anymore because they have died, right? Uh, or is it because the 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 culture has changed overall, or people have gotten more cautious about it? Both, but uh, predominantly, I would say more young female reporters. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a ton of them. Yeah, it's I great. mean, in the last time, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. The more yeah. of us there are, the harder it is for them to behave that way. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I can say, uh, with some regret, I've never called out a member on that because it's tough as a reporter when you're trying to break news from a member of Congress to say, hey, please don't talk about my blouse that way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not something we yeah. can do. great source building. No. Exactly. Yeah. But it, 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 it's it's this tricky thing. Which, again, I have not encountered. It really does speak to – you guys spend more time on the Hill than, than I do regularly. But uh, it is not something that has ever been part of my experience. Not once. Yeah. Um, and uh, And I think that – you know, people may not realize how much of the reporting of Congress happens, you know, standing by the, the, the subways that people sometimes see in the background of pictures in the Senate or um, by the elevator banks there or in the, what's called the speaker's lobby, that room right off the House floor. Uh, but these are small areas, uh, but they're not so small that people can't say stuff and uh, 
get away with things uh, that not everybody sees, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the general public, it's it's really hard to impress upon listeners how different the Hill is from any other workplace. Not just because reporters are literally lurking behind the next marble pillar waiting to eavesdrop on you. Sorry, guys. But just in terms of the norms, you know, the days are never eight hours. They're 10 plus, you know, and that just changes human behavior in good ways and in bad ways. Do you think uh, after the Roy Moore revelations started to pile up, not initially a lot of uh, Republican senators said, well, we'll wait to see what uh, comes of it. And then they all started to say, no, this is too much. We believe the women, uh, he's not appropriate for the Senate or some have threaded it in different ways. And um, we'll see what happens with it. But do you think that now we've reached the point where a woman comes forward and says something, this congressman, this senator did X, Y, or Z, and people will be inclined to believe the women? first off, or are we not yet at that? I think that that's a huge fear right now on the Hill right now. And um, I know that a lot of advocates, like anti-sexual harassment advocates, it's a fear that they have too. Because like once something happens where somebody comes out and accuses, say, a political foe of harassment just to tarnish his or her name, um, then people, and and say it's uncovered that this person made up a story or exaggerated a story just to hurt this per like this member, then people are going to have the opposite is going to happen where women are going to come out and nobody is going to believe you know the victim. So I know that that is a huge fear, not just amongst members, but again amongst anti sexual harassment advocates um, who are trying to you know encourage women to come out and and name their perpetrators. But I know that, you know, at some point that something like that might actually happen and that could really throw everything for a loop. Yeah, I totally totally agree. I think everyone is fearful of that moment coming where it's a politically motivated and not entirely true uh, case. And there was that suspicion about the Franken thing when Roger Stone seemed to claim some credit for it. And and Leanne Tweeden's a known conservative. But these are like some dark corners of the liberal Twitter sphere. I don't think anybody's coming out and accusing Leanne Tweeden of being No, and especially because Franken is... Had the picture. uh, Right. And and Franken has said, yeah, basically I did it. Or I didn't mean to do it if I did do it or whatever it is, the the explanations that he's come off with it. One other aspect of this, though, um, one of the most fascinating interviews I've done on this story so far is with uh, Gene Manning. And this is the first chief employment counsel of the Senate. So, you know, we have the Office of Compliance, right, which adjudicates uh, these complaints under this very arcane system. But we also have lawyers that represent the members in these cases. And Jean Manning was clear to me. She said, you know, I came in after the Anita Hill case, really rocked the Senate. And the last thing I would do is let members approve settlements for their own, which is the case in the House. She said, I would not let that happen in the Senate because it would be completely politically misused from minute one. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. every, everything gets is getting kicked to the ethics committee. We keep hearing, "Oh, well, this you know, been, uh, we'll do this in the ethics committee. We'll look at it. I'm submitting." Does that mean anything? It just seems like that's a black hole that you put things into in a good way to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the way to refer to it. Go ahead. You if only your that. microphones could record us scoffing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, the ethics committee did. is not. They have. <laughs> they they rarely do anything, right? I mean, they they investigate certain things. They'll investigate, but then they just sit there for years and having. Um, and an accusation, to do this, yeah. Right? Well, right, they're not equipped to it. But also, it's just like the very nature of the setup, right? Where you have a panel of lawmakers trying to decide whether their colleague is guilty. Uh, say it's another lawmaker of sexual harassment. And by I the mean, way, it's evenly divided. Yes, and like they're, I mean, come on, we know like. 
there's probably some understanding where, you know, we're going to protect our own, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Like, if you if you, if they came out and found somebody guilty, which I doubt they ever would, um, I just I just don't see it happening because then it's gonna it would encourage a whole bunch of new cases against members, and like that's the last thing they want right now. They want to keep all this stuff private. So it makes me think about you know as someone who also covers Russia, right? There was a big brouhaha at the beginning of the year when people started asking, all right, if the intelligence committees are going to dig in deeply to this topic. Who's an actual specialist in U.S.-Russia relations? Who knows the details of this? I wonder, on the ethics committee, is there a single person who knows enough about sexual harassment policy, yeah. about dealing with victims? I don't know for sure because they're so darn secretive, but I'm betting the answer is no. Yeah. You know, like the, the staff is not equipped for this. They don't They don't get it. And having them go after a colleague, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. Um, I believe uh, both of Franken's named accusers have said okay, they would testify. Have said they, okay, well, let's see if they're even... Yeah. And I, and I bet that both Lindsay Menz and Leanne Tweeden, I bet they would uh, have no problem going before a public hearing. But that's the thing. The ethics committee doesn't exactly do public hearings. Right. So all this goes on against the backdrop of what this next month is supposed to hold, uh, which is everything from tax reform to a dreamer's bill to uh, a budget keeping us away from a government shutdown. What is the percentage chance that we're going to have any piece of this get done before New Year's other than maybe a continuing resolution to avoid a, a, budget, a government shutdown. Are you asking if you think if we think harassment could potentially de- delay all this stuff? Into well, January? I mean, let, let's let put the question to two, two ways. Will any of it happen anyway? And then mm-hmm. does the the continuing inquiries in and what I think we seem justifiably in place to expect will be continual re- revelations mm-hmm. will do to change that? I think Congress is uh, pretty good at compartmentalizing. Am yes. I saying that right? Yes. Um, when it comes to sexual harassment, it's like they're totally different tracks right now. As um, as of this morning and the past like 48 hours, uh, my Republican sources at least, you know, in the House were saying, yeah, CR, but that they want all this done by the end of the year. Maybe not DACA, but they want an Omni by the end of the year. The defense hawks want an, o- an Omni by the end of the year. The Democrats want an Omni by the end of the year. Of course, an Omni is, is the, the I'm sorry, budget. continuing <laughs> the spending through the next year. Um, they have a whole bunch of things they have to deal with when it comes to, like, children's health insurance and, like, uh, various parts of, like, Medicare and stuff that they have to handle. Um, there's a supplemental for the hurricanes. And they pretty much lump that all in together. So I do think we will see spending dealt with by the end of the year. Um, I think that people, Republicans in general, are very concerned about how DACA is handled. But from my sense, um, in the House, there is no DACA bill that the Republican conference can actually pass. So they're going to have to do it on a bipartisan basis, which you need Democrats in the Senate anyway. Mm -hmm. We could see a DACA deal. Um, Might need Democrats in the House too, right? And they... They don't seem to want to do it unless they get a some, yes. something on DACA. Well, or, Pelosi's a little more cautious when talking about, you know, I'm willing to shut the government down if I don't get a DACA deal. They're certainly sending that signal, but uh, I think everybody's afraid of being accused of shutting down the government. But um, so I do think a lot of this will get done. Tax reform, I'm not, I'm not sure yet, but they're certainly going to try. I don't think that the sexual harassment story is necessarily going to bleed into all this other stuff. I could be wrong if some huge you know, bombshell about a dozen members, you know, doing X, Y, and Z comes out. But like people are very much putting things on two different tracks right now. Um, There's like the legislative track and then there's the harassment track. Um, 
So I don't I don't think it'll affect. I will say when it comes to DACA, uh, it seems like (laughs) I'm not optimistic on like tax reform, but I do think we're going to see a spending deal by the end of the year. But tax reform, you think, is not going to happen? I think that if they get it past the Senate, then they'll get it passed by the end of the year. But the Senate is the big question, right? Huge question. I, I think any folks anticipating it'll be an easy ride through the Senate this week are mistaken. But right. certainly Rand Paul coming out and saying he's going to vote yes is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think uh, m- my one minor quibble with the idea that harassment hasn't bled into it is just when it comes to the liberal base as somebody who actively follows activists. Uh, I think people are still so riveted by the harassment story on the left that they're not exactly coming out and picketing the Senate right now over this tax bill the way oh, they did over health care. And that will have an effect, you know. If they don't have, like, people begging on the doors, like, do not pass this. If there's not a show of force, I think, in front of the Senate this week that rivals Obamacare repeal, this could happen. But I totally agree with everything Rachel said about DACA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does that put you down as an optimist uh, on on things getting done? Heck yes. Yeah. Congress likes to lump things together. (laughs) And they like to do it before a deadline. And there's no deadline like the other year. Right. Every, I feel like we're we're back to the, uh, the, the late Obama days of every end of the year being a fiscal cliff, a fiscal, and then like on Christmas Eve or on New Year's Day, then uh, all the members of Congress and reporters who got to spend uh, their holidays together finally get it done. <laughs> Are we going to be here on Christmas? Oh, I, I don't know. Think we might. I think we might be at least Christmas Eve. Stay tuned. <laughs> all right. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That was Alana Shore and Rachel Bade, my colleagues here at Politico. Thanks, as always, to Zach Stanton for producing. Email me your thoughts and suggestions at isaacpolitico.com and follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Isaac Dober. And make sure to subscribe. David Petraeus, Corey Lewandowski, and so many more. You won't want to miss the weeks ahead. Catch you next time on Off Message.